0: I am super pumped to be here with you today. We're starting a brand new series called Unoffended. It's always exciting to start a new series. And I uh, want to welcome everyone from our Banta campus, our Franklin campus, and also everyone joining us through our podcast and watching online. We want to welcome you. Thanks for dialing in and tuning in. So, Unoffended, brand new series. Have you noticed how crazy it is today that everybody seems to be offended about something? I mean, things are getting nuts out there. I mean, people are offended at politicians. They're offended at the news media. They're offended at people who say certain things. They're, people, they're offended at, at people who use certain words, right? People are offended uh, by people's ideas, if their ideas are different from them. People are offended by almost everything and everyone. Am I right or yes or no? People are offended inside of our homes. It's crazy. You go into somebody's bathroom, they're offended that their spouse squeezes the toothpaste in the center instead of on the end. Anybody? Anybody? Some of you are offended that your spouse leaves hair in the sink after he shaves or after she showers, right? It's like, oh, that's so gross. (laughs) Some of us are offended because of the toilet paper, aren't you? Let me clear this up really quick, those of you who got this all wrong. Those of you who think you're supposed to put it in there from the bottom, no, 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 you're supposed to put it in there from the top. (laughs) So all you, yeah, see, see, that's right, that's right. That's right. I just helped solve some marital problems there, some marital issues. <laughs> um, you shouldn't be offended by that. And, uh, but unoffended, we're, we're all offended by someone and something. The other day I was at Starbucks and the, the drive through line was all the way around the building. And um, I got out and I had parked in front of Starbucks and I needed to go, and, you know, I really should have been patient, but who wants to be patient these days, you know? So I looked behind me, and I saw about six feet. Now, if this was you, I apologize. I shouldn't have done this. But if you were in the Starbucks drive-thru, I apologize. Uh, but I, I, I knew I had about six feet, and I have one of those cars that has a camera. You can kind of see what's going on back there, and it even alerts you if you're getting too close. And I said, I got this. So I start backing out. Now, I knew once I got close to this person's car, they were going to freak out. So I was sort of kind of watching I know, this is dark. This is dark. I know I shouldn't have done this. And I start to back up. My big white lights, my reverse lights are on. And sure enough, you know, this person sees me and they honk on the horn. I'm looking at this person through the mirror. They were ticked off. And I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, I hope they don't come to a manual. But I clearly had enough room. This person was way overreacting, right? They, and so I kind of did a little K turn. I did another little K turn. I could see her face. She was mad at me. Um, but then I ended up being able to slip out, and she, was just, she just had that look on her face. She was deeply offended I would try to pull something off like that. By the way, I pulled it off. It was smooth. <laughs> Slipped right out of there. Saved myself about 30 seconds people are offended. They are, aren't they? I mean, it's crazy. People seem to be more offended today than they were in years gone by, but I don't, I don't necessarily think that's true. I just think we have a way of finding out how everybody's so offended with Twitter and Facebook and all these different things. Everybody's got a way to tell everybody how mad they are at somebody, you know. Um, but people have always been uh, uh, easily offended. In fact, in, back in the Bible times, Jesus uh, offended people. He really did. Uh, in fact, when he went back to his hometown, he, uh, as he started his ministry, he began teaching and he was doing miracles. He went back to his hometown and uh, when he got there, he started teaching in the synagogue. And, and I want you to hear uh, what happened. It, listen, listen to what they say. Isn't this the carpenter? Like, they grew up with him, okay? So they watched him go through puberty. They watched Jesus. These, these, are, these are his hometown, you know, his family and friends and all that stuff. Isn't this the carpenter? Like, isn't this the guy that built our living room table? Like, that's what they're thinking in their mind. And here he is, he's in the, he's in the temple pontificating about the Old Testament and how he's the fulfillment of all these prophecies. Isn't this Mary's son? We know Mary. I mean, we know his brother James and Joseph. And you can almost hear the condensation. Is that the right word? No, that's the, that's the wet stuff, the condensation. Anyway, you know what I mean. You can almost hear it in their voice. They're just kind of thinking, we know this guy. We grew up with We remember when Jesus got his first pimple. <laughs> Aren't his sisters here with us too? I mean, Jesus had a big family. Listen to the continue. Watch this. And they took, say it with me, offense. They were offended by him. How, how dare this guy that we watched grow up, that built our table, how dare he tell us we need to repent of our sins and turn our lives over to God? Who does he think? He's not the Messiah, and they were offended by him. People aren't very different today than they were back then. Why are we so easily offended? Have you ever been thinking about that? I mean, it's kind of crazy. It's gotten to a, a crazy kind of, you know, thing going on in our culture today. People are offended every single day at almost everything. I think there's a couple of reasons. I think people are so easily offended because it's easy. Do you agree? It's so easy. Anybody raising children? Someone is offended in my home every day. And guess what? My wife and I didn't teach them this. We didn't model this. I mean, sometimes I do. But most of the time, we're kind and we're gentle to each other. But, but, but inside of our, our family, there's just a people who are, well, I didn't get to do what she got to do, and I didn't get to go where he got to go, and I didn't get to... And someone's always offended at something in our home. It's a constant conversation. That's why I love the graphic of our series, because it's just a little girl. Right? And, and it's just, here, here's what I want to say about being offended. It's childish. you agree? It's easy. You don't even have to teach kids to do it. It's just, it just comes naturally. I think another reason we're easily offended is because we like it. I think we like it. I think Americans are, are now like, yeah, it's good to be offended. In fact, it's kind of cool. It's kind of hip to kind of, you know, go on Facebook and blah, 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 blah. And just kind of barf all over everybody, like, like people are interested. <laughs> Seriously, right? It's kind of hip and vogue to be offended. I'm so offended. She said he did. Blah, 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 all that stuff, right? It's kind of, people like to be offended. Here's why I think they like to be offended, because it's emotional. Have you noticed? It's, it, the emotion of anger is very present. And we're emotional people. We like emotions. We like to feel certain things. Which, by the way, is the reason why addiction is such a huge problem in our world today because you feel really good when you shoot your veins filled with heroin. It's a huge epidemic today. People want to feel something. And when they're offended, they feel anger and they like it. They like it. And so they, 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 they perpetuate it. They cultivate the offense. Besides, what would they do if they weren't offended? What would, what would they think about? What would consume their life? I think a lot of people are offended because they have nothing else to do. They're bored. People are looking for stuff on the news and on social media to, to keep the offense going. People like it. You with me? Because it drives emotions. I think people also are easily offended because their expectations are way off the charts for other people. <laughs> this, is, uh, this, this might set you free here today, and I think we're going to do a whole talk on this in the future, but people's expectations of other people its unbelievable. People actually expect other people to do the right thing and to be nice and kind and to tell the truth and not be lazy. And to see things the way they see them. That's, the way people, that's what people expect. Do you agree? And then when they don't act, do the right thing or tell the truth or see things politically the way they see them, they oh, I can't believe it. I'm offended. Really? How long have you been alive right now? I mean, how, when are you going to drop the expectations? Like, people are not going to do the right thing. They're going to steal, they're going to lie, they're going to cheat. Okay, I'm not a pessimist, I'm a realist. Okay, but this is just the way it goes. Stop being so offended. They're going to see things differently, right? But our expectations are through the roof. Another reason we're easily offended is because we think it's our duty. Hello. A lot of Christ followers fall into this trap. Oh, let me set you free here. It is not your duty to be offended for Jesus, okay? That's not how we change the world. I just can't believe that they do that. I just can't believe they, they, that decision was made. I, just, I have to let people know what the Bible says. We're deeply offended at this church, right? That doesn't help anybody. but some of us feel like it's our duty, it's our, like we're the moral police. We gotta let people know how mad we are. (laughs) But some people feel that way. That that It's it's their duty. Another reason I think we're easily offended, I hope you're writing these down, these are good stuff, this is good stuff, took me a long time to come up with these. (laughs) Another reason that we are deeply offended is because of the pace of our life. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. We live at such a breakneck speed today. We are go, 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 do, 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 do. You know, do you know that there's a whole body of research out there today that shows that willpower actually runs down during the day? Like you wake up and your willpower is very high. And so that's why a lot of people can exercise in the morning because they know it's the right thing to do. And so they push themselves to do it. But then by 10 o'clock at night, their willpower is on empty. And guess what comes out? Chocolate ice cream, you know it, you know it, because they can't fight it anymore. They, just, they spend all their willpower up front doing the right thing, and, but now it's low, and the chocolate ice cream comes out, and they start watching things they shouldn't watch, and they start saying things they shouldn't say on the internet, and all kinds of crazy stuff, because they're out of willpower, and they give in to temptation. I believe that it works the same way when it comes with patience, and empathy, and grace. I believe it's running out. I mean, if you're a parent, do you understand? You have said this to your children, my patience is running thin. Have you said this? What happened? You used to have a bunch, but through the day, they have worn you the heck out, and you are ready to break heads at the end of the day, right? Because you're out, you're done, you, you gave all the grace you had, and now it's time for judgment, <laughs> Right? Around the holidays, it goes like this in our home. This is why I preached the series we did, if you remember, if you were here for the Christmas series. Um, anyway, some of you weren't here for that, but um, I preached the whole... Uh, uh, I, I, during the Christmas holidays, to everybody, you add all these different things to your life, and you're already busy life, and now you've got to do dinners and parties and do this, and you've got to buy this and presents and all this stuff, and, and, and there's zero, zero margin. Like, the margin that you had, like there was a lot, is gone, and then you now everyone's on each other's last nerve, and there's no patience, and there's no empathy, and that's why a lot of families fight during the holidays. You agree? Yes or no? Pace of life. Pace of life. The results are devastating of all this. In fact, I'm motivated uh, to do this series primarily because of the results of being offended. In your notes, I want you to follow with me. There's four big things I want to talk about. The results, they're devastating. Getting offended, number one in your notes there, getting offended leads to exhaustion. It wears you out. Do you agree with this? It's, it takes a lot of energy, says Brent Hansen in your notes there. He wrote a book called Unoffendable great little book we have some in the in the bookstore if you want to go deeper Brent Hansen, he said this he said it takes a lot of energy to be angry no wonder you look so beat up I mean have you noticed how much energy it takes for you to continue to be offended to continue to be angry you got to cultivate that and you got to work at that and a lot of us are putting a lot of energy towards that it's absolutely devastating. It wipes you out. It also, it also causes foolishness. It really does. When you get offended, you do some stupid stuff. Can you think of that? Remember that email you wrote because you were offended? <laughs> Remember that thing you said to your spouse because you were offended? Remember that thing you did to your child because you were mad and you were offended? Remember? I mean, we do some stupid things when we are offended, when we are smitten with anger or consumed by anger. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 14. People with understanding... People with wisdom, they control their anger. They keep it under control. Watch this, though. A hot temper shows great foolishness. Ooh, that's what the Bible says. In Ecclesiastes 7, verse 9, it says that anger rests in the bosom of a fool. When I was at Liberty University, one of my last years there, my, I met Jackie and we were dating. And before I started to date her, she had dated my roommates for a while. I don't think I've ever told you this story before. So this, is, this is fresh stuff right here. And and it was okay and it was fine but over the semester he would kind of poke fun and say yeah I dated her first and you know he and I had, I had patience with that for a while and it was sort of funny but then it got old like now this was now this was became the woman I wanted to marry and all this stuff and he just continued to kind of poke prod poke and prod yeah I dated her first you got my seconds you know that kind of stuff <clears throat> you know what I mean. And so it was coming down to the last couple of days of the semester, and, you know, we're packing up. Everybody's going home, going back to New York. He's going back to D.C., and it's a stressful time, finals, all that stuff. And, and he said something to me as we were packing up, and I said, look, here, one more time. Say one more, th- one more thing about Jackie. Just go ahead. Just say one more thing. You ever do that to somebody? Like, you're done? And you know what? He said it. He said it. He said something like, well, I had a first or something like that. And I grabbed his throat and began to squeeze. And I put I swear to you, I might have killed him. Because uh, I was squeezing and he was I was putting him against the wall. And I, I didn't want to punch him in the face because then you know then there's blood and you know they can get expelled or whatever. So I so I something said, just choke him, just choke him, choke him. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> so dumb, so so foolish, right? But but here's what happens. <laughs> here's what happens when when we're consumed with anger, we lose our minds, we do, don't we? We don't think, we just react, that's how people end up in jail, they do, it leads to foolishness. Something else, number three in your notes there, getting offended destroys relationships, (laughs) because you choke people, see that? (laughs) Actually, him and I were just texting this week, so we're still friends, um, but it does, it destroys relationships. In Proverbs chapter 18, it says this, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Wow. In the Bible, when you'd fortify a city, you'd build, you'd build gigantic walls. That was their only line of defense. So you'd build all these walls around the city so the enemy couldn't get in. When, you, when, you, when your friend is offended, guess what they do? They build emotional walls to keep you out. And when they're offended, it's hard to break those walls down. Sometimes it takes years, if ever, to win that friend back because of the offense. You cannot maintain unity and harbor an offense at the same time. Mark my words, you cannot maintain unity in a friendship and harbor offense at the same time. Eventually, it will lead to dissolution of the relationship. This is this is serious stuff. When we continue to harbor offense, look at this last one number 4. Getting offended creates distraction. You know, you only have so much space in your brain. <laughs> Some of us have more than others. <laughs> uh, you only have so much space in your brain to think. I wish I had more. I wish I had a, more of a brilliant mind. I wish I had more space in there to think up ideas. I only have a limited amount of space to think. In, back, in fact, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Paul gives us this incredible verse. He says, okay, whatever is true and noble and right and pure and just and lovely, whatever is excellent or worthy of praise, think about these things. It kind of gets them, you can think about it in terms of a graph. This is Philippians 4, verse 8. You can look at it later. It's one of my favorite verses. He says, whatever falls into these categories, I want you to think about that. When you choose to harbor offense... It takes up a chunk of your mind. This is what your mind ends up looking like. All of this stuff, is all the good stuff is squeezed out, and the offense must occupy space in your brain, which you have limited. You know, it's limited. And what do I mean? Well, you got to think about what that person said. you got to think about what they did. you gotta, you got to continue to mull it over, right? And so you go to bed thinking about it. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, if it's serious enough, you wake up and you're sweaty. Ever happened to you? It's happened to me. Like, I'm sweating because of what that person did. And I'm sticking to the sheets. It's gross. <laughs> How did that happen? My body temperature's rising because I'm mulling over in my mind what this person did. And you wake up, and, and again, it's taking up space. And all that time, you could be thinking about what was good and right and true and pure and holy. And, and, and you're not, because... You have to give space to the offense. And it causes a huge distraction in your life. I believe because being offended causes you to be distracted, causes you to do you know, foolish things... It leads to to all kinds of damage. I believe that's why Jesus simply taught us that we cannot handle anger. In your notes there, Jesus simply said this about anger. You can't handle it. It's too hot. It's too hot to hold. (laughs) In fact, if you've studied the Bible at all, in the New Testament in particular, and the Sermon on the Mount in particular, you know Jesus had some pretty strong statements about anger. He made some pretty strong statements about anger. Watch this. He said, you guys have heard it said in the Old Testament that you're in big trouble if you murder somebody. But... Here I am, and here's what I'm going to tell you, that anyone who is, say it with me, angry. Now, remember, anger is the emotion behind offense, right? Anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to the judgment. Why? We're going to answer that in just a second. He continues. Listen to what he says. Again, anyone who says to his brother or sister, raka, which is the same word that we would use today, like idiot. It's this word that, 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 that comes from a, a heart filled with contempt, you worthless person, you you have no value. That's what this word means. Raka is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, you imbecile, you brainless one, is basically what that means, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Anybody want to go to hell? Not me. Jesus says, when you harbor anger in your heart, you're in danger of the flames of hell. That, That makes me pay attention. What's going on here? Why does Jesus have such strong words against anger? Why does he say it's too hot to handle? Why does he say it's got to go? Here's why. Because of what it can become. It's because of what it can become. How does a person commit murder? How does does it get to that point? Doesn't it come from contempt? Looking at somebody and thinking, you fool, you worthless human being, you'd be better off dead. Doesn't it come from anger? Absolutely. Jesus knows that if anger is is left unattended, if if it's allowed to grow, it will expand, and it will explode into something devastating. And Jesus, Jesus is after the heart. He says, I'm not just interested in your actions, I wanna get to the root of the matter. Anger is something you cannot handle, it's too hot to hold. James, Jesus' brother, said it this way. He simply said, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Here's why, James chapter 1. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. In other words, you cannot do what God wants to do if you're angry. Because your mindset is going to be off. You're not going to be thinking. You're not, you're not able to fulfill God's will if you're angry. It's got to go. you got to get rid of it. Whew. Wow. That's what the Bible says about anger. Bible doesn't say we'll never get angry. We will get angry. What do we do with the anger? That's what the Bible addresses. It says we've got to get it rid of it. We've got to get rid of the offense. If we don't, it will destroy our lives. Now, is it possible to become that type of a person? Some of you are sitting here thinking, dude, I, my, I live my whole life in anger. There's no way. I can't get rid of it. I'm offended every day. I understand. I understand. Can you change? The answer is absolutely yes. Listen to Proverbs chapter 19. A person's wisdom yields patience. See, what you and I need if you're struggling with offense and you're always offended is this thing called discretion, this thing called wisdom. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook, to forgive what? An offense. This is beautiful. You want to know what this word glory simply means? Something beautiful, something glorious, something that you would talk about that's adorned or, or, or decorated. It is, it is beautiful. Here's what King Solomon says. It is beautiful when someone overlooks a, an offense. It is a glorious act when someone forgives, when someone doesn't take offense to an action of another human being. It is glorious. It's beautiful to look at. You know, when, when we think about the type of character that is worthy of respecting and worthy of honoring, we don't think about people who get back at others, do we? We don't think about people who take vengeance, do we? Oh, what a great guy that he is. He always gets back at his enemies. <laughs> do we talk like that? Or do we talk about somebody with honor and respect who's able to receive an offense and overlook it? Don't we go, wow. This happened to me the other day. I was at lunch with a friend, and um, if anybody had the right to be bitter, angry, or hold a grudge, it was this guy because of something that someone close to him had done and continues to do. And I looked him square in the eye, and and it really wasn't for the purpose of this series. I was just curious. I said, "How, how, how are you able to not... Harbor a grudge? How are you able to extend grace? He just simply said, It's too heavy. It's too much of a burden. I don't want to carry that. And when he said that, I thought, Wow, that's glorious. And my respect for him went up higher. When he would have been justified if he had taken vengeance or gotten back or filed charges or whatever. He would have been totally justified. But he simply chose not to do it. And I was in awe of what God was doing in his heart. A person's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory, her glory, to overlook an offense. Amazing. You can become that way. Imagine what that would be like. Imagine how much sleep you'd get back. Imagine how much energy you'd get back to your body. Imagine how much space, space in your brain you'd get back to think about good things. Wouldn't that be something? Imagine the impact that thousands of people... In Emmanuel, in our church, in our community, would have on our community if we became the type of people who did not take offense. The type of people who were unoffended by those who cross us. It's possible. And that's what this series is all about. So let me talk today with the, with the rest of our time, I'll give you the first strategy on how to become that type of person. What we need to do, which I know you're ready to ask, okay, how do we do it, right? What do we need to do to become the type of person who's not offended? We have to let God be God. You and I must let God be God. We have to let him do his job. That's what we have to do. You see, the motto of the Christ follower is not my will, but your will be done, right? The Christ follower has simply said, I don't live for myself anymore. Where do we get that? We get that from Jesus. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed this prayer three times. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. What is he talking about? He's talking about the crucifixion. there's any any other way to redeem mankind other than going to the cross, uh, now would be a great time (laughs) to kind of show me that. Uh, nevertheless nevertheless not my will but yours be done see that's the motto of a Christ follower like I when you get out of bed it's not my will today but your will be done like I don't live for myself anymore I've surrendered my will to you to your will you are God and I am not see when Jesus invited people to follow him listen to what he said very carefully in Mark chapter 8 this appears several other places as well Whoever wants to be my disciple, my follower, my student, my apprentice, must say it with me. Deny themselves. You know what that word means? If you did the fast in January, you know what this word means. It means you say no to yourself, okay? And when your stomach says it's time to eat, you say, uh-uh. When you want to get on social media, you say no. When you're saying no to yourself, Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, you have to say no. Be willing to say no to yourself, and then not only that, but take up your cross and follow me. What's the deal with the cross? Why does he bring the cross into this? What does the cross do? The cross did what to Jesus? It did, it killed him. Now, Jesus certainly isn't saying, hey, if you want to follow me, you have to be nailed to a cross and physically die. I mean, I don't think many people would have followed him. Do you agree? you would be like, oh, I'm out, I don't want to die. He didn't mean physical death. He meant death to having your way. And isn't that why we get offended, folks? It's not going my way. I'm offended. Can't believe you said that. Can't believe you did that. Can't believe, can't believe, can't believe. You didn't do it my way. Jesus said, look, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to give all that garbage up, all of that selfishness. It's all has, it all has to be nailed to the cross. See, the secret to becoming the type of person who's unoffended is being a disciple, One who says, I don't have to have it my way. I'm surrendering my will to your will. So if somebody crosses my will on 135 or 37 or wherever you're driving, if somebody literally crosses my will, it's okay. Because I'm not living for my, it's not my road, it's not my will, it's God's will. And I'm totally surrendered to his will today. Wow. Am I any good at this? No. I have good days, and I have some bad days, and I talk about that. I choke people. (laughs) That was a long time ago. But anyway, I've I've progressed a little bit, okay? We're saying, here's what we're saying, the decision we're making in your notes. You're choosing to trust God to do his job. God can do his job. See, when a person is continually, perpetually offended, they're sitting in the wrong seat. They're trying to be God. And only God can handle anger. Only God is in charge. So anger, if, if you're offended and you're perpetually angry, what's, re- what's really going on inside of your heart is, is God is revealing that you really want to be Him. And He's saying, give it up. I'm in charge. I'm the only one who can handle anger and offense. Proverbs 15:13 puts it this way: the Lord is watching, not you, not me. The Lord is the one who's watching everywhere. And he's the one who's keeping an eye on both the good and the evil. Come on, come on. Let me do my job. You are not God. And when you respond with offense and when you respond with anger, it's a revelation. It's very revealing about your heart. See, you're simply sitting in the wrong seat. You're sitting in the seat of the boss. And so am I. I'm offended. Really? Are you God? And that's what we're saying when we get offended. And so that's why the Apostle Paul gives us this very, very powerful instruction in Romans 12 as he's coming down to the end of the letter. He says, guys, beloved, ladies, gentlemen, never avenge yourself. What, Paul? You don't understand what he did. Now, I'm angry. He did this, she did this. Never avenge myself. No, 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 no. Leave it To the wrath of God. He's the one who can handle anger. He's the one who can handle offense. He's the one who can handle wrath. Leave it to God. Let God be God. You are a disciple. You have decided to surrender your will to his will. For it is written, vengeance, getting back at somebody, is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. See, you know whose job it is to get back at people? In the end... It's God's, not yours. So how do you become the type of person who's unoffended? You become a disciple. You say, God, I'm going to let you do your job. Your eyes are roaming the whole earth. You saw. You saw what he did. You saw what she did. And I'm going to let you deal with it. Now, let me make myself clear. I am not suggesting whatsoever that you become a passive person. Danny, are you saying that I just should just be a, you know, a a mat, people, let people walk all over me? Are you saying that I should just have no will at all? No, 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 no. not suggesting that at all. In fact, I would, say, I would say to you, and I have said many times, that God wants to partner with you to accomplish his will in this world. So guess what will happen when there's an injustice, when there's something going on in this world that's not right? God will tap you on the shoulder and say, let's partner up together to fix that but don't you dare partner up with me with anger. You let the anger go first, then we partner, then we make this thing right, and we stop the injustice. But you're not allowed to partner with me in anger. You have to partner with me in love. Let's deal with this issue in love. Did you know as a Christ follower, you can deal with stuff in love? You can. You can deal with that person who did you wrong in love. In fact, Dallas Willard said it this way, anything you can do with anger, you can do better without anger. You can do it much better. You can parent better without anger. You can can address those issues that have to be addressed. Don't be passive. I'm not suggesting you, I'm not a passive person. (laughs) Are you crazy? (laughs) I'm extraordinarily intentional and active, but I have to make sure that I'm not acting in anger. I'm acting in love. And you address the issue with love in your heart instead of anger. Wow. How different would it go in your home? Come on, guys. How different would it go in in your marriage if you did it that way? How about in your office? I'm so mad. I'm just going to go in and talk to the boss. Really? So you're Jesus now. How about you go in and you talk to the boss with a surrendered will to the Heavenly Father? Think it might go better? You You bet it will. With a heart surrendered to. See, in fact, the strongest human will is the one that is surrendered to God and acts with it, acts with His will. That's the strongest human will. It's the one that's surrendered to God's will and acts with His will. I'm not suggesting passivity at all. I'm really asking you to trust Him today. And that's my question today. Will you trust God to be God? Will you let Him do His job? Or will you continue to sit in the wrong seat and just be offended and, and, and suffer the consequences of foolishness and distraction and letting your mind be occupied in things that shouldn't be occupied with? Will you allow it to destroy relationships? I'm challenging you to trust God to be God. Now, as we wrap this up, I would talk to some of you and I would say, you know what? You need to take a step of faith and trust God God be your Savior. See, what God did uh, is He sent His one and only Son into this world to die on a cross. I mentioned the cross earlier. To die on a cross so that you could be forgiven of your sins. So that you could experience grace and mercy. So that you can go to heaven when you die. You're going to live forever somewhere. And God's taking care of your eternal destiny by sending Christ to this earth to die on the cross. In addition to that, He's also made a way for you to experience this thing called abundant life right now, which is a life filled with peace and hope, a life absent of anger and resentment and offense. It's a life filled with joy and it's a life filled with peace. Yes, it includes going to heaven when you die and I'm all about that. I don't want to go to the other place. I don't think you do either. But right now in your life, There is joy and peace available regardless of the circumstances in your life. And you can have that today by putting your faith and trust in Christ. So there's some of you here today, you have never done that. I'm gonna invite you to do it right now. So how do I do that? You, You express your faith through a simple prayer. You take the words I'm about to say, if you've never prayed before, you pray them to God and you ask him to invade your life, wash you of your sin, bring his peace and his joy into your heart. Tell him you wanna be his disciple. If you'd like to pray that simple prayer of faith, close your eyes and bow your head. Reach out in faith. Say these words, make them yours. Jesus, I come with what little faith I have. I trust you. I believe you died on the cross wash away all my sin, all my shame, all my guilt, and to give me joy and peace and real life. Put my confidence in you today. Invade my heart, invade my soul with your spirit right now. I open myself up to you. strength and the wisdom to live out the life that you have designed for me before you even made me help me to bring a smile to your face with my life I pray this in Christ's name Amen if you just prayed that simple prayer Our church would love to get you started on your new journey of faith. we love to give out these one-year New Testaments uh, as a way to give you some some action steps and some insight on how uh, to be a Christ follower. See, we believe that the Word of God is actually inspired by God. And then when we read it, it's His words guiding us and instructing us. And so we're extraordinarily passionate about that. So if you prayed to receive Christ today, there's tables in the back of the auditorium for you, whatever campus you're at. If you're, if you're watching online and you, and you receive Christ, let us know. We'll send you one in the mail. And so can we give God glory for what he's done today? So you know what I love about, you know what I love about the Bible and life in general is that you can take what you heard today from the Bible and you can literally leave here and go test it. I love it. Like, to me, life is a gigantic test uh, laboratory where you put this stuff into practice and you see if it actually works when somebody offends you. And so today, here's what what I want you to do. Just, Just be aware. Be aware. Just keep your eye out. For the next time someone crosses your will, and just remind yourself, oh, I'm the boss. Like you say, I, I'm i the boss. I think I'm Jesus right now because I'm mad. See? And then that, that helps. And then you can surrender that over and say, no, I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let that go. I'm not in charge. And then you try to get better and better and better at that to the point where you become unoffendable. And when that happens, here's what happens you begin to taste a little bit more of the abundant life that Christ came to give you. Isn't that fun? That's fun. Jesus, thank you so much. You help us. To, you help us. You give us insight from your words. You talk to us about anger. You tell us we can't handle it. It needs to go. You tell us that human anger does not produce the righteousness that you desire. Help us to become the type of people, God, who can be offended, but let it go. Because we've chosen to let you be God. We've chosen to trust you to do your job. We've chosen to surrender our will to your world. God, I pray that that would happen in every single one of our lives and that you would make the impact in this community and all across the world through your people as we become the type of people who do not get offended. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Bring a friend, week number two.